Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts, and my name is Chris Chapin. And I am two of the hosts, Caleb Shively. I did catch myself, like, that doesn't make sense, because that means I'm two people. Which I am. Are you... Are, are you two people? Are you two people? Are, are you two people? Are you two people? The, are you two people? The R2 droid in Star Wars who pulls. Yeah, so um, that was my, Caleb, that was my little homage to I Heart Huckabee's, the scene where they go, how am I not myself? How am I not how myself? Am I not myself? How am, how I, am not I not myself? myself? That's one of the two movies we're talking about this week on Actually Best Choice Movies, where every week we talk about two movies. One of them is old and one of them is new, and they're linked together like uh, success and failure. <laughs> Would you say, Caleb? Yes, uh, we take a element of a new release and we find something to pair it with. It could be... A thematic, it could be the actual cinematographer. These are things that we both discussed, but today we're doing uh, a Jude Law episode, uh, which is very good. Jude Law appreciation episode, fan cam yeah. episode. Jude Law in a yeah. semester abroad. We're so excited to talk about so Jude. Excited. What an interesting career this young man has had. Old man has had. How old is he? Who knows? He's 47. I looked it up. Oh. I would looked it up <laughs> because of how old his children were. And I was trying to figure out if I would be his age when my child is that age. And doesn't, the answer is no. Doesn't he have a lot? I'll be much older. Doesn't he have a lot of kids? Or that I, I, he, has, he has six kids. Oh. Yes. I knew it was he like more than I thought. Kids. But hey, good for him. I think he has multiple wives, so it's fine. Hey, don't knock the hustle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, this, so this week we're talking about two Jude Law movies. It's I Heart Huckabees from 2004. And his new movie, The Nest, from 2020, that's both this week on, actually, Best Choice Movies. movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, I guess we're going to talk for a minute about, about the man of the hour, <laughs> the number one movie star in my heart, who I have the world's biggest crush on. It's Jude Law. That's true. Wow, good for you, Chris. Good for you to admit things. <laughs> do i have the biggest crush on him well i don't know i feel like i mean this is kind of what i one of the reasons i wanted to do this episode and yeah you know not that i have a crush on him but i just i do feel like i identify with his mm-hmm. characters a yeah, lot. yeah what i wanted to inspire me to do this was actually seeing him work in uh the nest uh which is a new movie we'll talk about and this having more of like a unified theory because like we say we like he's a great movie star but we're talking about the nest and i heart huckabees which are both clearly ensemble pieces that he is a part of. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely, 100%. Uh, but maybe he works well in that. And that's not to say he does stand out in those. I think there's a lot of other people who also stand out in both these movies. But he's still very good in those. And he also brings that quintessential Jude Laudis to it, which is charming but selfish. I think that's what defines a Jude Law character. <laughs> and also, like, kind of tragic in some sure, way. Sure, yeah. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, there's... I mean, even just going back to, like, t- I mean, right, you know, I was thinking about, like, I used to watch Gattaca all the time. Mm-hmm. That used to be on Comedy Central or HBO, like, every single the day. Ethan Hawke joint, like, yeah. My... But yeah, exactly, but it's an Ethan Hawke joint, and Jude Law is, like, sad and charming, but kind of selfish and insane. But I guess he's kind of selfless in the end, but... That's only like his fourth movie, mm-hmm. dude. I didn't know it was so early in his. Oh career. yeah, he had like just uh, like some stage work, and uh, of course he's British, so he had a bunch of British work, which didn't really pop in America. But yeah, Gattaca, I'd say, is like the Notice movie. But then uh, 
that was 1997. And then by 99, which was the talented Mr. Ripley, that's when it started wow, happening. Sure. Hardcore. Well, don't skip over Existence. I do I mean, like that's Existence. That's also another it's a David 1999 movie. movie. A, a Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee's uh, movie that she started. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so good. He, yeah. He's so good and weird and also kind of scary in yeah, it. Yeah. It's right? a Cronenberg movie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that lends himself up to uh, uh, another one of his movies. Uh, well, he had a good. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll skip over *Talented Miss Ripley*, which is an Oscar. Well, novel. wait. Can I say? But his first movie is this movie from nineteen. His first real movie is this, the where he's starring movie. His movie from nineteen ninety four called *Shopping*, which I ha- which I have not seen. It's like a crime movie. It's like a you know cool kids oh, sure. British, night a British in crime movie, stealing sure. cars. Yeah, from 1994, right? Or 1994, yeah. So that's the same year Pulp Fiction comes out. It's like a cool indie crime movie. And he looks like a fucking model. He looks crazy. He's so crazy attractive in this in this movie when he's like really young, I guess. He doesn't look like, he doesn't even kind of look like himself because he looks like such a weird like model person. But it looks great. I watched the trailer and I was like, fuck. I have <laughs> it was in his 20s like, in the 90s then, yeah. So that's like his first, his first, like, that kind of made him into something. And then, you know, yeah, he's doing Gattaca by three years mm-hmm. later. But yeah, by uh, 1999, there was uh, No Looking Back after The Talented Miss Ripley, which was an Oscar nomination for him. Uh, it also, I think, established that, oh, this is like a selfish prick character who's super charming, but like there's something else beneath it. I think that's what Jude Law does great at is just um, I mean, having the... Uh, surface level so obvious that you have to like read into him some more i think that's uh, a hallmark of all his roles well dude i mean that's like a his, exactly his character in ai right yeah, i was about to <laughs> say that's like, like uh like when you talked about he's like a sex robot and he's like see he's just programmed to say the same couple dumb things over mm-hmm. and over again he's but somehow there's something deeper going on underneath yeah it, you like know? you said he's kind of scary in exist- existence uh He's kind of like weirdly creepy in AI, artificial touches. Uh, and I love him in AI. I thought he's, uh, I remember uh, not knowing him that much well when it came out. And also I wasn't paying attention to actors at that point in my movie watching other than mm-hmm. uh, Haley Joel Osment. Wow, what a, uh, anyway. Uh, but rewatching AI recent, more recently, I was like, holy shit, this guy just has it. And then that was like the same year as he did Enemy of the Gates, which I thought is always a underrated movie. Uh, underrated in the sense that it has Philip Seymour Hoffman and Brendan Gleeson in the same movie in a war movie. That's all fucking cool. <laughs> but yeah, that was that same year. This is like, again, 1999, 2001. And then he did Road to Perdition, which was huge for him. And then 2003, he had a big Oscar. Is that his second Oscar nomination for Cold Mountain, Road yeah. to Perdition? No, for Cold Mountain. Yeah, Cold Mountain was his uh, Oscar nomination. And then you have 2004, yeah, which, which is just like Jude Law, top to bottom. So, like, like he, we know who he is at this point. Uh, he's a name. He's, he's recognizable. He's a huge star. At yeah, this I remember going to a th- the movie theater. I forget what movie it was, but it happened multiple times. But seeing the trailers for Alfie, Closer, uh, Sky Captain, all of them like in a row. Like, oh, wait. Jude Law, it was like, oh, Jude Law is in every movie right now. Yeah. So in 2004, also, it was like he left his, he had cheated on his wife with Sienna Miller oh, while right. he was making one of these movies. I guess that happened in like 2003, because I guess it was Alfie? I maybe? think it was Sky Captain yeah. in World of Tomorrow. It might have Sky been Sky Captain. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> they were in one of these movies together. He starts cheating on his wife. He's going out with Sienna Miller. Then they're going out, and then like he cheats on Sienna Miller with the nanny and has to like issue an apology. Like this all happened right. within within 2004, mm-hmm. and so like and this was like the one of one of the many peaks of tabloid culture in American life. This is like Paris Hilton stepping out of a limousine with a, no panties on time. Like 
tabloid media was so TMZ, huge yeah. and, TMZ jumping and he was like a huge one of these tabloid yeah. people and he put out like fucking 11 movies in 2004 it's crazy. and they all like you're saying he was like it was like overkill because they were all kind of like trading on yeah. him being like a really hot movie and star they all him, and a bunch of the movies were flops they all pushed you know? him towards that uh end of the year uh oscar time too so yeah it was just a diluge of him and it, maybe i think it kind of did hurt him because like sure there was oh, like yeah for some bright spots within a couple of years, those times, like I think the holiday, which is that great of a movie, it's like a rom com movie, but he was, I think he's good in that. But there's like nothing that big until I don't know, maybe like 2009, arguably, where he was the Watson in the Sherlock Holmes movies. He was also, well, yeah, I definitely think, yeah, 2009. Yeah. It's like, it's basically like Alfie and Sky Captain were both these movies, like, were really trading on him yeah. to be a movie star, and he was they just he didn't like successfully open those movies you know like they were everyone yeah. hated them the critics all hated them and they didn't make any money and it was like that was it <laughs> like he was yeah. i don't know if he's like also difficult to work if with if you look at his uh, like, credits in 2004 which we're going to talk about one of the movies i heart huckabees and i love the aviator i think it's good but uh alfie sky captain and uh he was, in, he was the voiceover of lemony snicket uh, in the mm-hmm. so he was Three title characters in, our, in the row. He was Alfie. He was Sky Captain. He was Lemony Snicket. <laughs> so fucking crazy, right? Yeah, exactly. He played. Yeah, he was. He was the Sky Captain. I mean, come the fuck on. <laughs> but then it was like they were all. I mean, the, the, the Lemony Snicket thing was fine, but like there were other ones were big flops. And you do see him basically not do anything of note until this Sherlock Holmes movie. And what I think is interesting about this is now. So this whole other period of Jude Law's career, he's very attractive but also there's something like tragic going on with him but it's it's in this kind of different mode but once he once he becomes watson where he's like the sidekick and like the adult and like he's the one that's exasperated with somebody else then you start getting this whole other era of jude law Mm -hmm. which i think arguably has been more successful yeah which is him as like a middle-aged guy who's like obviously under some extreme stress or something and it's like it's a lot more poignant. It works a lot better with him being just a little bit older and like he's going bald and like he's very mm-hmm. bald looking. It's it's very interesting. This there, whole yeah. second life he's uh, had. Hollywood, uh, old Hollywood idiom. Uh, uh, to come back, you have to go away. Um, so like he yeah. sure did some middling stuff, and he came back with a, the uh, support roles. I thought he was all right in Anna Karenina. Karenina. Um, He's great in Anna Karenina. Yeah, I love that movie, some, and I Jude Law's great yeah, in it. Side you know? effects. Uh, you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't even know it was Jude Law. Yeah. I don't think he disappears into that role pretty well. Uh, he did do a starring role called Dom Hemingway, which people haven't seen, and they're probably right to. Which he was uh, that balding asshole guy who tried to go against type, and it, no one was really ready for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, he still did work throughout. Uh, a, I mean, we're at, like around 2014 now, which is only like five years from now, uh, five years ago. Uh, I would like to uh, shout out Grand Budapest. Yeah, Grand, Budapest. Yeah, Grand Budapest. I would like to shout out uh, Spy. I think he works perfectly in that movie. Uh, Spy, uh, where this is uh, November 25th today, uh, the New York Times put out a list of actors, of most important actors of the last 20 years. And I was really hoping McCarthy would be on there. And she was, Melissa McCarthy. And they uh, singled out Spy, uh, which I'm a. a Huge spy fan. It's one. Of, I think it's super fucking underrated. It's so fucking funny. It's a perfect comedy vehicle. They say about that movie, and then on Twitter today, I was so happy to, to finally experience that there is a spy high. There is people like me <laughs> who love spy as much as I do. But Jude Law and Spy, uh, he plays like James Bond. He's, he's this really smart, charming guy 
but he's not the star of the movie. He's like the fourth or fifth lead. He's super funny in it, uh, fucking asshole in it, and it works perfectly. He knows what he's doing in a movie. It's really, really refreshing and great to see. And Spy's a great movie. And I thought, like, oh, that's when I was like, okay, cool. I'm ready for more Jude Law to come back. Uh, and there was, I think he only did like maybe like a movie a year, maybe uh, for a couple years. And then like around last year or so, it was like, oh, cool. Jude Law is firmly entrenched. And I'm thinking like he's of. totally back, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking of uh, the. He was Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast. Right. He was a. He's in Fantastic Beast. Then he's in Captain. Yeah, he's Marvel. really good in Captain Marvel too. I think we. He's we really, he's really good yeah. in Captain Marvel, which is like a huge, huge hit. Yeah. And then he's in I don't know the new Fantastic Beast movie. He's supposed <laughs> to be in some kind of. He's playing Peter Pan in a version. No, he's of playing. Peter uh, Pan, or he's playing Captain, Captain Hook. Hook yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he's playing Captain Hook in a version of Peter Pan. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Yeah. uh, And then this movie, which I thought was great. Yeah, The Nest is uh, very good, and we'll uh, start talking about it now. But yeah, uh, it's what inspired us to talk about Jude Law, and uh, rightfully so. Our first movie this week, 2020's The Nest. It's not your job to worry. You leave that to your husband. It scares me that you actually think that. So you're back here full time? Oh, yes. We've just bought a beautiful farm in Surrey, and we're thinking of a pied a terre in Mayfair. <laughs> it's just small talk. I saw some deposits you made. It's nowhere near what you're spending. Don't worry. I have a huge check coming in at the end of the month. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. The family unit dad, mom, teenage daughter, preteen son. We meet the O'Hara family in their quaint suburban lives, happy and successful enough in America. But Dad wants more. Rory, the father, played by Jude Law, moves the family with promises of better lives for all to a mansion across the pond in England. Uh, this starts the slow burn unraveling of that family unit. Uh, details arise and passive aggression becomes aggressive aggression. But what are we watching? Uh, what at times feels like build up to something more fantastical, the nest lend, lands itself in the, the surrealness of the real world. Director Sean Durkin has finally followed up his breakthrough debut feature, Martha Marcy May Marlene, with another eerie and sinister look at a familial unit with its own problems of insecurity amongst the members. Not for everyone, but Chris, was it for you? Caleb, what a film this was! Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the kind of this is the kind of movie they don't really make anymore. Uh-huh, supposedly, for real, right? you know, like it's an adult drama for adults about like being married and having kids, and it's like it's got it's got big movie stars in it, and it's so well done. It was like such a pleasure to watch. I mean, it was like a it was like a familial thriller. You know, it was like yeah. there was not any murders or anything, but it was like is he lying to her? And it wasn't even about like infidelity. Mm-hmm. It was about like other stuff, you know? It really so. does like, oh wait, like the whole time I was like, wait, is this movie going somewhere? Is it going to do something more than this story? Cause I was like, I like the story though. It's just like very eerie and like from, like from, like you said, familial, but no, it just, and I was thinking like, oh wait, this uh, like sense of like not knowing where it's going. That's just good filmmaking. That's like keeping me tense. <laughs> that's like making me question and being engaged as an audience member. <laughs> exactly. And you're just paying such close attention to stuff. And the, it's just, oh my God, it's directed so mm-hmm. well. I mean, first, I mean, the first thing you have to say about this film is like, 
we're talking about Jude Law for this episode, but like obviously it's Carrie Coon's yeah, movie. Yeah, I would say. Like she is amazing, mm-hmm. amazing in this Big movie. movie she's not getting nominated for an Oscar for this yeah. movie. It's crazy. I reread my intro. I was like, why didn't I mention her? I was like, oh, we'll just talk about her a bunch. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought her up quicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, so she is the wife. She's Jude Law's wife. And it's basically, it's it's like uh, she's figuring out what's really going mm-hmm. on during the whole course of the movie and like having to react to it. Yeah, and we say like, And there's ahead. just like, she just gets so much to do. Mm-hmm. She gets so much to do. There's a fantastic scene towards the end of the movie where she's going out, she's dancing alone in a pub in like an evening dress. And she's just like so upset and drunk. And the 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 scene is so great. She's just dancing like a fucking lunatic, like not paying attention to anyone. And also everyone else around her is completely ignoring her. And it's just like, there's kind of, it's lit beautifully. And the, she is just performing so fearlessly. And it, it's like amazing, amazing to watch. It's like a great, She's a, she's so great at this movie. Uh, and finally, we fucking put her in a starring movie. Like I, 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 I was like, wait. I mean, she's great in The Leftovers, and uh, there's a season of Fargo that she's awesome in. But like The Sinner, she had a whole season of The Sinner, and I love fucking Carrie Coon. Uh, great and Gone Girl. But it's like, wait, why does she have starred like have a actual movie for herself yet? And this is it. Like this is movie star. Hey, watch this person. I fully expect if we have Oscars to happen, like this should. Definitely be at least in conversation. She's gotta be nominated. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, they could be like a dicks and nominate her for like supporting actress because like Jude Law is the star, but like. No, it really is her. She's gotta get Uh, it. I mean, it was so so great to watch. Like, I love her. You know, it was so interesting to see her. And she gets to do so much different stuff. There's a great moment in the trailer where she does this kind of like snort laugh at Jude Law, which is like. It's so devastating, and you're like on her mm-hmm. side so hard. So, but you also, you also are so invested in the scene, and you're like, ah, shut up, Carrie. What are you doing? You're ruining it. You know. I think the great trick they did. Uh, her character's name's Allison. Allison O'Hara is that she sees her husband's bullshit pretty much from the get go. Like there's like maybe like a five or ten, fifteen minutes less than that of being in America before they move, and she's against this move from the get go. So, like, she oh, is, yeah. like, in tune to being, like, this isn't right. So she's, like, knows this. And we learn, uh, she's in tune with the Jude Law character, his name's Rory, uh, from the get-go. So we're, like, looking to her for answers for the other character. And we just learn more about Rory and all his bullshit throughout as we just tragically pay attention to what she's going through. And it's yeah. handled so well in the sense that um, she plays it not as... Not as tragic, really. Not as uh, she just plays it as a real person reacting to things. Like she plays a familiar character, and just brings so much her own nuance to own specificness to it. It's like it becomes its own character, and it's fucking awesome. Like I loved. Yeah. Like I'm totally on her side, and I felt like I picked her side. Not that the movie pushed me there, but even though the movie did do that. Uh, I felt like, no, I want to be on her side. I, lo- I want to uh, be on her side. It, I made the difference. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the movie. I decided. Yeah, so I mean, basically, what, the plot of the movie is kind of like, yeah, so you say they're living in America. They seem to have this amazing house. They've got a great view. They've got a pool. The kids are in school, blah, blah, blah. Everybody seems happy as a fucking clam. And Jude Law, he wakes, he, every day he wakes Carrie Coons up first thing in the morning and sits down next to her. <laughs> and one day he just goes, he goes, Look, things are dried up for me here. We have to move. <laughs> There's an opportunity. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, but she's like, but the money's okay, right? And he's like, yes. Goes, is it? And he goes, yes. <laughs> it's just like, 
just enough of a pause where you're like, oh, something is like really fucked up. Like something is, but you just, the movie doles all this information out so mm -hmm. gradually. You know, you get, you're just getting like little extra breadcrumbs here and there. And there's a scene where uh, Carrie Coon's like, catches him in a lie and it's like well the first time that it's like a really big lie and they're at this big fancy party and the camera just slowly like dollies in on her face mm -hmm. and you still are hearing jude law say all this like charming bullshit and she just is getting like less and less happy and it's like it's such an amazing shot and it's like again carrie coon's like knocking it out of the park mm -hmm. but and like yeah there's it, the movie does a great job of it's this, all right? like this nui of everyday life uh, like it's a it feels like there's something more going on and that that in a way it's shot it feels like a horror movie but it's a domestic movie like a domestic squabble yeah, movie right. so it's like a domestic horror movie there's like no big jump scares it's just very very slow burn realizations of what happens every day and like how much your life can suck if you just like nothing happens uh and it doesn't like necessarily like give this existential dread uh like a concreteness or a name or uh or ever, or even answers to it it instead just shows the confidence of filmmaking <laughs> like you feel what the characters are feeling without ever getting pulled to one perspective too hard like sure i'm on her side but like like i said like i felt like i was choosing to be on her side because like you do see right. a lot of what jula does and that is part for her because i'm just shifting away to say he is great in this movie too <laughs> He's great in this movie too. Yeah. So the other, the whole thing is it, it's doing this very thing they do in a movie a lot where he's like doing big business, you mm -hmm. know, and his, it's kind of vague what the business is, but they do spend a lot of time on it where he's like trying to make the big deal happen. And he's like, I've got everything tied up in this deal. And you, you get the sense that he's going to be completely broke if it doesn't happen or something, but the movie doesn't really like go into detail. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why would it, you know, but it is, it is, but it is a huge part of the movie is him like scheming and, He's trying to make all these big business deals happen so that he can get like really rich and he's like spending money like crazy and you just feel like mm -hmm. like it's just, it's like a horror that, movie that, watching uh, him spend the Jude money. Law character, like I said, it's a he's a very charming guy, but he's also very selfish and like that selfishness puts those blinders up to like what is going on with his family. Like he is somewhat of a good father, at least to one of his kids. He's actually stepdad to the yeah, uh, to the oh oldest daughter. Uh, but it, Which they again come, they dole out so gradually yeah. that he's the stepdad. You kind of just figure out you're like, oh yeah, she's like you're like she's going to the shitty school. Yeah, there's and just so many details like that. It's... And, and, like she she says to the little kid at one point, oh, don't you know our mom? And I was like, it does. I was like, is he not her father? It does kind of <laughs> sound like that. Like they work together so well. Like the early scenes, like it's big, uh, a lot of chemistry. Like they have sex a lot. Uh, and it's like, oh, cool. But then you realize, like, oh, that's all, like, they're there for. It's like, each, for like, sex each other. It's like a very hollow relationship. But they're still, like, supporting each other because they realize that that's what they have to do in this trap they have for themselves as as they're realizing that it is a trap for themselves, too. Like, there's so much rage and insecurity and uh, despair. And uh, that's in, like, the forefront of the movie. And you expect the movie to be leading... To something like big and large but it's too smart for that and like there is kind of like a lack of a conclusion uh for some people you could interpret oh, I but think it has a great I, I, I do i, I do too uh but i've i've read that people like oh it, it has like a very small ending and i think that lack of a big ending pretends to just a stronger vision of like you can live comfortably with that rage and insecurity and despair like nothing can be resolved well, and, and things but you know what is resolved is like things are just laid out 
for them to real like the realization is the conclusion in itself in some ways. I mean, I would say I would characterize it as a happy ending, like spoiler alert. It's kind of a happy ending. Happy is a big like, word there. <laughs> so like we've both been saying, it's just a movie about family, but the movie ends kind of with this realization that's like you know, despite everything, we're all still a family and, you know, we're all in the, in this together and we'll figure it out, you know, and that is, that is the, the ending and like, they, it, it, they should, it is I, that, but they don't a, ever actually say any of those words, just like them coming out, he like has a, uh, a breakdown of coming home after like a very cool ending. Like it's a three part ending where they just intercut, like that. you mentioned this dancing scene that she goes, so she yeah. leaves a dinner drunk and just goes dancing, intercut that with the daughter, uh, close to the edge yeah, like speed, going crazy and having three, yeah, a huge party doing drugs speed, yeah and that's intercut oh, and with the, uh, their other kid is like terrified yeah. he's like While hiding in a like, closet and intercut that with the yeah. jude law storyline of him not closing a deal and going home in a cab and getting uh told yeah, I mean, told this this uh, whatever by a cab driver told the business this is maybe by a cab one of the driver. best scenes of the movie yeah, really this it cab- really is then having to walk it just home, starts yeah. off with jude law it's basically you know you've been watching the whole movie it's almost the end of the movie and it's just the camera on jude law and he's talking about the events of the movie but then it's like the cab driver starts talking back to him like really seriously you know and it's so well it really put together is. and it's really surprising and funny and like yeah, this movie is just perfect it's just perfect this movie is like know? so close to being like a very dark black comedy too it really kind of yeah. is right and like i said it's kind of feels like a horror movie their whole time like i feel and there is like they touched like a door opens once but i felt like that's more of like hey uh this house is just haunted or is like a, the metaphor of like this house is haunted for their own be of their hope they're, they're making it haunted their uh strife within their relationships are just what's haunting them <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a big crazy. I mean, it's just it's like Jude Law is beyond his means, and you just get the sense in this house that you know, there's scenes of Carrie Coons trying to arrange the furniture, and it's like she they don't have enough furniture for how big the yeah. house is, and it's just you're like, why is this happening? This seems so unnecessary. And I would say a lot of the movie is shot in the house, and that's cool. Uh, it comes the house and lends itself to a lot of shadows. And uh, horror movies, you know, uh, show the shadows, show frame the shadows frame the the uh, screen uh so like what's going to pop out or what's around the corner the house is shot in a very scary way it's also a big house that would be shadowy so it's yeah, very it's like realistic castle, that shot basically <laughs> it's so fucking gigantic it's out of control yeah it's a fucking cool ass movie and uh we'll give it up uh his name the cinematographer's name is uh matthias erdle uh he's a german cinematographer uh, a lot of close-ups like you said that mentioned that uh slow pan into Carrie Coon. Like, they don't linger shots. Like, when they do, like, a big close-up, there's a lot of, like, oh, no, we didn't even talk about the horse, but, like, the close-ups oh, God, are the for a shock, which is another, like, horror thing to do. Like, they just do lots of negative space. Such good decisions between director and cinematographer. Uh, but Matthias Erdley, uh, he shot Son of Saul, which is one of the best shot movies of the last couple of years. Uh, one the best foreign feature at the Oscar, blah, blah, blah. First-hand perspective shot. Amazing movie. He's a cinematographer that should get way more movies going forward. He also shot James White, Miss Mala. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful. It's yeah, a beautiful, beautiful looking movie. movie. And it's interesting because right from the opening shot of the movie, which is just the opening credits are on the exterior. Of yeah, the house, I thought that's cool. Yeah. And then you're just seeing the family inside and just something about the font of the, the mm-hmm. title and the, the looking at the thing. Catherine was like, oh, wait, this kind of looks like it's like old. Like it's not yeah. happening in the current day. 
And then it is like 15 minutes later that there there's some kind of reference to President Reagan. Reagan. Reagan yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, but it's you could just have not even noticed it was happening in the 80s until later on when there's a lot of like British music, pop music. Oh yeah, the, the daughter uh, records music from the radio on her uh, yeah. Human League and stuff. It is interesting. I don't know why, but it was great. Yeah, I, I think the added something to it. it was nice. And a lot of his job of him trying to get money and the story, like, the subtext is very clear. Wealth is bad. <laughs> but I think what Sean Durkin is doing is he's interested in defining bad. Because bad is a pretty big word that means a lot of things. Or uh, one thing, but within a lot. Uh, and he gets to a specific dreadful type of bad. It's very, very interesting to see. And it's taking that familiar story of like uh, family seeks wealth and falls apart, and he makes it seem mythic or otherworldly. And I think that's such a cool thing to do as a director, just to make this real-life thing seem outsized and bigger than what it actually is. And I'm all there for it. I think I, I was blown away. I think I was... Saying like, oh, this is going to get the Oscar this year, and I kind of looked it up. And I, there's really no Oscar buzz for anything too much this year. Yeah, I don't know that there's any Oscar buzz about <laughs> anything. This are they even going to have the Oscars? Like, do, do you know? Yeah, um, I think uh, they're combining it with the Grammys and Emmys, and so it's like <laughs> best movie, best album, best yeah. TV, best dramatic comedy show at the same time. So I'm, I'm making this up. This is a joke that's not landing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it was a good shot, though. It was a good shot, brother. Should we move on? You want to talk about the next movie? Uh, sure. Uh, before that, I'll give a shout-out to Richard Reed Perry. I was like, this music's amazing. It's kind of, like, folky. It's kind of familiar. It's haunting. Richard Reed Perry's an arcade fire. He's done some other cool stuff in the National and stuff, but all for him making movie scores now, because I'm really impressed by the, the Nest It was good. Story, yeah. Um, And, I mean, speaking of movie scores, there's Ooh, a pretty prominent segue. one. Yeah. I do love In it. our next John movie. Ryan, motherfucker. 2004's I Heart Huckabees. What kind of investigation? Existential. You'll spy? Yes. On me? Yes. Will you be spying on me in the bathroom? Yes. What are you doing here, Brad? What? 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 Brad, you're killing me! Shut up! Shut up! I Heart Huckabees is uh, the second film from David O. Russell. It came out in 2004. This is, uh, you know, actually like Five years after Three Kings came out, which was a huge movie. It was a very big deal. Like George made George, one of the things that made George Clooney into a movie star was that movie. And so this movie is like the cast list. I just had to stop writing famous people at a certain point. It stars Jason Schwartzman, Mark Wahlberg, Isabel Huppert, Jude Law, Dustin Hoffman, Lily Tomlin, Tippi Hedren, Gene Smart, Jonah Hill, Isla Fisher, Richard Jenkins, and of course, uh, Naomi Watts. So like, that's a fucking nuts cast. It's like it, it's 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 an absolutely bonkers movie. It's it's mostly famous these days for being chaotic off screen. You know these YouTube things you see of David O. Russell and Lily Tomlin like storming around screaming at each other. Uh, but it's also completely chaotic on the screen. A million things are happening at once all the time in the movie. I mean, it's to just summarize the plot really quickly. I guess you could say it's. It's uh, an environmental poet played by Jason Schwartzman, uh, who is trying to save a marsh and also figure out a coincidence involving a doorman uh, who also gets celebrity autographs. And then, like, he hires these existential detectives that are Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman. 
and uh, I couldn't even possibly go on from there describing the plot. I've, it's a movie I've seen like a, probably a million times in my life. I love it so much. I, I've always have really liked it. It's kind of cheesy. It's it's like we were talking about recently about other things. Like it's kind of twee, right? It's it's kind of one of these twee things. But um, like a lot of other things that get tarred with this kind of brush of being these twee things, uh, I actually think it's pretty good. Um, Caleb, what what do you think about this movie? Uh- First, I need to correct you. It was you said it's his second director first. It's his fourth. His third. Fourth. His fourth. Spanking okay, the monkey, right. flirting with disaster. Flirting with oh, so spanking. Okay, yeah, spanking his monkey, flirting with disaster. Okay, that's good. Uh, those are those are okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But yeah, yeah. 2004 was like graduating high school. I need something. I'm, I think I'm into art. You know, <laughs> uh, this movie was like a uh, manna from heaven. I, I I love this movie, and it. One of those things I, I, I just think is so much bigger in my mind. Like, oh, everyone loves this movie. It's such a good thing. But oh, turns yeah. out it, it wasn't. But to me, like, I quote it all the time. Uh, specifically, I say the line, uh, I'm at the fire. Where are you guys at? And uh, Oh, I think of that all the time. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's so movie. Like, and even just, uh, I watched it a bunch. And then I probably haven't watched it since, I don't know, a couple of years now. And I forgot that this movie just starts off. Going cocksucker motherfucker, like oh shit, it just automatically like brought me back and brought so much joy. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm just gonna sit down and watch this movie that I could probably quote as I'm watching it. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of those movies like it that that has things I think about all the mm-hmm. time. Like I'm always thinking about like I bas- I I am always thinking about like Brad and the Shania story like constantly. Like chicken I don't salad. like to June fifth driving range. No joke. We gave her a chicken salad sandwich once. <laughs> Grew up in the back of the limo. June 30th, the lake. Shania's there, promoting her apparel, right? It's 4 o'clock, and she's starving. She's a busy lady. So I order a ton of tuna fish sandwiches. That's all she's eating back then, tuna fish. July 9th, flight 27 to Chicago. Shania's there, promoting her apparel, right? It's 4 o'clock, she's starving. The lady hates chicken salad. Gave it to her once, she threw up. August 17th, conference call. Shania's there, promoting her apparel, right? No mayo. She hates it, and she cannot eat chicken salad. That's no joke. I don't like to tell funny stories about things that happen to me too much because of this. Sure. Like, I just feel like, well, if I do, if I tell this story again, I'm going to be like fucking Brad in the Shania Twain story. Like, I just cannot do it. I, I just think of, I think about that all the time. I also think about, um, like, how am I not myself? Like, how am I not myself? I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just an amazing movie. I mean, yeah, it came out the year I moved in Brooklyn, actually. The year that I moved into this apartment it was when this movie came out. And I used to just watch it on HBO, like, all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, I think it does lend itself to as a decent screenplay, too. Uh, first of all, there's, like, a lot of just existential talk that's easily glossed over. And that's even at the end, it, like, even makes fun of itself in the sense that, like, oh, wait, you're too dark, you're too light. Like, it even says, like, oh, wait, none, none, these people that have been saying all this stuff aren't right the whole time about coming to your own conclusions about, uh, like, these deep thoughts. And I think that's a, a great thing. Uh, but also, like, the actual details are so cool and directed so well. Uh, but also so fucking funny, too. Uh, and they do a good job of uh, one, two, three acting it. Like, uh, I would say, like, the second act starts uh, after Tommy Korn is introduced, which is the great. Mark Wahlberg, and I say the great lightly because so good in this I really movie. don't He's like so good Mark Wahlberg movie. in a lot of stuff, but I love him in this movie. I fucking love Mark Wahlberg in Iron He's great. Like he's I the mean, only I feel one... like there's a couple of there's a couple of movies that came out around this time where Mark Wahlberg is so great. Like obviously Boogie Nights and this movie. 
I mean, this is one of the like two or three examples I always think of of like if if he's in a good director's movie, he's good. Sure. And if he's in a bad director's movie, he's bad. That's uh, that's that's a pretty good theory. Uh, but Boogie Nights was like ninety seven. This is like seven years later. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All right. You know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, Three Kings was he right made now. a lot of bad stuff in between. He, you know, he, he totally made did. Yeah. The Italian Job and like Rockstar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He made a lot of bad shit in between. Uh, but you know, there's we're not doing a unified theory of Mark Wahlberg here. <laughs> we should have done a Mark Wahlberg episode. Maybe, yeah. Should have done like five Mark Wahlberg <laughs> movies. Yeah. Uh, he needs to do something good. Mark Wahlberg, that's your challenge. Mark Wahlberg, get on actually best choice movies challenge. He hasn't. Yeah, he has. He, what was the last movie he did? Uh, he was know? in Scoob this year. Oh my god, is that true? He was in Scoob? Uh, yeah, there was... Uh, do you know Blue Falcon, that cartoon? He did, he voiced Blue Falcon, which is a joke. No, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Blue Falcon was a Hanna-Barbera superhero, and they just put another Hanna-Barbera superhero. It's with a dino mutt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that. Yeah. Wow, Wasn't I, he on, like, Harvey Birdman? Like, Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got disconnected, yeah. but yeah, also Laugh Olympics was a big thing. There was a, Laugh Olympics. There was a movie that... Came, did it come out? I know it was at TIFF uh, that he starred in... Uh, I forget what it was called. I think Joe Bell or something like that. I guess he's mostly, I'm just looking at his resume or his IMDb. He's mostly just producing stuff these days, right? You're an entourage? Like, you know entourage? I produce entourage. Hey, donkey, what's going on? You're a donkey. I like that. You eat apples, right? I produce entourage. Okay. Talk to you later, donkey. But, but, but let's get back to the other great people in, in this movie even though he is great oh I, and but it is it's weird because there's just a lot of screen time to go on and uh i think that hoffman and lily tomlin are do a great job of not encroaching on anyone's screen time i think that's so hard to do for actors is to not is to be great and not uh be too showy and they both are like mostly setting in this movie it's so good hooper too is who plays off of them uh, they're very funny. Uh, they're the two. I mean, she's so great in this yeah. movie. She's so great. Yeah, very movie. funny. She's so like sexy and weird. You know, <laughs> I really like it. I really like her performance a lot. This is actually one of the early things I ever saw. Isn't it? Oh, sure. Me too. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Here's a good question specific to this movie. What is the better kiss, Jason Schwartzman and Isabel Hubert mud kissing? When they have mud on their faces uh, and they're putting, making out, leaves on themselves. they like don't even have their eyes open because they have so much mud in their faces. Yeah, well, they're like dunking each other's faces in a mud <laughs> puddle. I just kept imagining this is only on a David O. Russell movie. Do you know what I mean? Like he must have just made that. I, I, you know, only he would make them <laughs> shove each other's faces in the yeah, mud. Yeah, I can tell if that was like real mud out. or what. But uh, yeah, but you say that. I think you're gonna pick that kiss, judging by your reaction. Or the very weird open mouth kissing when Mark Wahlberg picks up Naomi Watts at the <laughs> end, which is very much set up as a romantic piece. Like he's saving her from a fire. They make eye contact. They recognize and then the face moves closer. And it's just like how fishes move their mouths. <laughs> because it's like they're both basically like passing out because there's so much. <laughs> they're both passing out because there's so much smoke in the room it's like she's already passed out so he needs to get her out but instead he starts making out with her and they both just pass out on each other as they're making out and like this is a big scene in this movie with all these movie stars yeah i mean and it's great speaking of that scene i mean uh naomi watts like i have always loved naomi watts like i i it, she was very big at a very 
you know, specific point in history. And this really sure. is catching her in the prime of her uh, career. And it's it's great. I think she's really good in the movie. I think she's great. Oh, in the she movie. doesn't have a, a purge screen time. Like, she doesn't have a ton to do. And especially at first, she's like this spokesperson and she's like just saying catchphrasey stuff and just being there to be attractive. And then, like, where Jude Law has more of a slower breakdown of his character, hers oh, yeah, is more sure. instantaneous. And I think, like, the whole part of the, like the part of the movie is that we're all the same. All, all the uh, everything's connected, and that is between. Uh, uh, I'll use their actors' names for <laughs> clarity. Uh, like you do it, you do whatever you want, Cowboy. Uh, Schwartzman you, you see. and uh, uh, Jude Law, who are rivals in this movie. The end is like they realize together, and I think they're uh, partners in this movie. Which is uh, for Schwartzman, it's his other, which is Tommy, which is uh, Mark Wahlberg, and Naomi Watts is obviously dating. Jude Law in this movie, that they play off their others so well, their partners so well, that everything just like comes together perfectly at the end when they get together. Uh, and she really does like do such a good job of that breakdown. And maybe a, a great line reading is just one word of her saying, fuckabees, which is, of course, you say that in a movie called I Heart Huckabee. Fuckabees. <laughs> fuckabees. And then everybody in the room goes, she said fuckabees. What? Get her out of here. Get her out of here. Kevin Dunn. Oh, you didn't mention Kevin Dunn. Of all the names you've mentioned, you did not mention Kevin Dunn. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Tell, remind us why we would know who Kevin Dunn uh, is. He is great in Veep. Uh, I loved him in Oh, yes, uh, he is in Veep. Yes, Small Soldiers, true. I think, is... Uh, Hopefully, people remember him. No, is he, is he like the dad? And no, because Phil Hartman's the dad. Oh, he's like—is he he's like someone's a, dad a, in it? I forget. Okay. Uh, but he's in tons of stuff. Uh, probably, I, I think I remember him on Seinfeld. He's in Hot Shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of these movies that it is—it is about like the meaning of life, and it's like very uh, twee in a certain way, and it's like. Uh, but I again, I do think about these things from the movie all the time. About, I mean, they literally say in the movie everything's important and everything's connected. And of course they're having like a debate, but like, and that is not maybe supported by the end of the movie, but like it is, if there was ever like a mission statement of like the whole twee cultural movement of this time period, like that would probably be Mm -hmm. it. Like everything's important and everything's connected. And as a young person being exposed to like existential thought or certain, like they'd name drop a lot of philosophers in this movie or just ideas that, like, I mean, it's early on talking about uh, how petroleum is so bad, too. They rail against petroleum <laughs> to an extent. And there's actually a part in the movie where Mark Wahlberg is like, well, I could have an electric car. I wouldn't have to ride my bike. Mm-hmm. I could have an electric car. And I was like, brother, now, hey, brother, I got some good news for you. You actually so can like, get an electric car it's now. It's cool to hear, like, a simplification of, like, these big philosophies, too. And I would say, like, even the dinner scene where they go and reach his coincidence in its uh, Christian family with... Uh, Richard Jenkins and Gene Smart. It's like a very Jonah good. Hill. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very good. It's such a fucking funny scene. It's so well acted and so well written. And it just also works as like, oh, this is still a very relevant scene of like how people think and how people rationalize those things to themselves and both sides, not just yeah, I know, uh, right. Middle America side too. We took in a refugee from Sudan. Yeah, it really, yeah, okay. But did you ever think why is there a civil war in Sudan? <laughs> is it maybe because we support all these dictators? And this movie just like piles that stuff on. It's so good, really great. Honestly, it's really great. And it does, yeah, the whole thing with the blanket, like, and he's everything is the blanket. And like, I know it's all so cheesy, but I do. I just I saw this movie when I was like 21, 21, 22, You know. 
And I did. I just liked it. I watched mm-hmm. it a million times. It was very meaningful to me. I'm sorry to say. Uh, <laughs> you, know, like... you mentioned this earlier, and uh, we should definitely talk about how this is like golden age. Like John Bryan is the best. John Bryan. The best. Yes, uh, John Bryan. He was doing like uh, film scores for Punch Drunk Love was before this. Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind was around this time. Magnolia. Uh, yeah. He fucking yeah. does it so much. Uh, it's such a fucking good score. It really just like watching it. I was paying attention to it a lot when I was watching it today. It just like combs over so much. It just makes everything like these big ideas just go down so easy just because like, oh, wait, it's, I'm laid back and relaxed and I could just take these really weird things that are happening because the score is so good. <laughs> I mean, it is like kind of very much like I feel like uh, one of the big like twee signifiers of the movie, though, is the music. And it is. I don't want to, it is good and I like it, but I also do feel it's dated in a certain way. It's like dated it's, for the sense like it's what the movies, like it was like his heyday of things. Like he's done right, great yeah. movies since then. Uh, I did the score did for Lady Bird. Bird. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he did Snickby in New York. I'm not yeah, very good. Uh, um, but yeah, PTN. But like it yeah. does, it sounds very much like his score for uh, Punch Drunk, I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like it's also, like very uh, yeah, similar. Step, Step Brothers, uh, uh, a score I like, but it's always like very wafty and uh, yeah, almost reminiscent do, of a thing. Do, yeah. do, boom, do, 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 boom, do, I mean, he has a great production credit too, which do, uh, do, do, do. produces these film scores, but like produced uh, Kanye albums. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Produced Fiona Apple albums as his own. Oh, I band. knew, yeah, yeah, I knew he did that, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is very much like one of the. Uh, I mean, it's 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 one of these quirky indie movies that there that used to be such a big deal, you know, like it. It just this was a big part of culture, and I mean, we do have to say the movie was like kind of a flop. Yeah, and it was because it was kind of a little before this this moment. You know, it, it became kind of a cult mm-hmm. hit. I, I hope like. so. Like, I don't I even. I couldn't find too much of a, the cult online of it, but I, I maybe <laughs> we should start the cult and just be like, we oh, should wait, start the cult. We're in the cult. I'm in. The, I'm in the motherfucking cult. Like, I love this movie. Funny movie uh, that puts weird ideas out there. It doesn't really ask you to uh, believe in them as so much as uh, acknowledge their existence and take take from them what you will <laughs> it also just like puts in a very fun comedy comedy thing like there's ridiculous like screwball energy stuff in it like Lily Tomlin jumping into a car uh Dustin Hoffman uh leaning against a chalkboard and then they have a chalk on his <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so dumb <laughs> uh the whole thing so with Shania funny. Shania Twain not just uh uh her cameo uh, in it but Twain. like uh his stepdad singing it like look at my speaker system it's It's like a recurring theme as shania twain in the movie it's very weird yeah but also it's so serious it's so meaningful but also Mm -hmm. it's so meaningful Uh, it's just like such a great it's just such a great movie uh, co-written by uh jeff banna who uh, went on to make some very great comedies in his own right uh horse girl which we covered on it's not a comedy uh but the little hours uh life after beth uh some weird very well weird good Yeah. yeah yeah screenplay first comedies very Audrey Plaza centric thing. I think yeah. that's who he's uh his partner is. I'm not. Oh, is that yeah. true? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Congrats to congrats to both of them. That <laughs> seems like a great match. But yeah, this is like you the know? only movie he's uh written and not directed, and we got a great director to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, and it is funny because it is famous for being like this total disaster show where like every yeah, it, it really has yeah. everyone all the time. 
And like, that's his whole reputation, you know, like George Clooney supposedly said, like, it was the, literally the worst experience mm-hmm. of my life uh, was making Three yeah. Kings. Um, there... And um, yeah, you know, there's, you, you watch these videos of him screaming. Tomlin's the big there's, one, all, yeah. there's also all these videos of like, all these, all these scenes, they, they would supposedly spend like days, like days shooting these things. And he would be screaming at everyone to do them better. And then none of them is in the movie, like not even at all, you know, like there's like a lot of, there's a lot of like completely abandoned plot lines and scenes. And like, it's a, it's a a disaster kind of, but I think the movie that we get, like the movie that we see, like not knowing any of that stuff, like I think it's great. It works. He's right. Whatever he left out, it sucked. And whatever he yelled at them Mm -hmm. to make them do it, it worked because the movie's good. Yeah. uh, I mean, he doesn't really, I mean, he works with Wahlberg a couple of times. Uh, There's actually a, a interview with, Julia Stiles I came across this week was in uh, Silver Linings Playbook, uh, which is a movie I don't like. But anyway, uh, she talks about like he just yells during takes and it's very hard. And uh, as an actor, it kind of sucks to, do, to work with him as he's just talking and you're not going to be able to concentrate. But she also said she watching it, she said it felt like it was like her best performance because <laughs> she was taken out of her mind and concentrating on something else so much that she felt like like she got it got out of her like that character came out of her so directing is maybe just like chiseling down what you have breaking down breaking down the breaking down these actors and making them into other people giant mold of an actor you have to chisel them into what you want yeah i read something really interesting today you were talking about that new york times piece about the 25 actors i was reading that too I i read part of the one about willem dafoe and it was talking about um, that Van Gogh movie that he's in. Oh, it's sure, sure. Directed by Julian Schnabel, yes, right? Is yes, yes. Who directed that movie? Yeah. So he's saying Julian Schnabel was saying like, oh, you know, there's some stuff that we shot uh, when we first got to whatever town they were doing it in France. Um, and you know, he's wearing the clothes and he's got the makeup and everything, but like he wasn't the guy yet. So like we didn't use any of that stuff. But after a while, he just kind of like became the guy, and then that then the movie was great, you know. And I thought that was so interesting. This idea of just like filming a bunch of stuff and like but you're like let's well, we haven't really gotten to the movie yet you know mm-hmm. but you're just still doing it and like i i it reminded me of of this movie in a certain way the way that it's just like absolutely chaotically approaches making a film and then just takes the best parts of it mm-hmm. and puts it on the screen you know and that's what a movie should do and that's why this movie's really good it doesn't help that you have a lot of great performers to soften it down to <laughs> the cinematographer of this movie is a guy by the name of peter deming who uh, shot my favorite movie of all time, uh, Evil Dead 2. I always say there's a lot of movies that are my favorite movies, because it's true, a lot of movies are my favorite movies of all time. And Evil Dead 2 is easily one of them. Uh, Same year he did Hollywood Shuffle, which I know me and Chris both love. Uh, But he has such a weird career. Like, he did this movie, which is, you know, somewhat prestige. He works with uh, David Lynch a lot. He did uh, another uh, Mulholland Drive, which was another uh, Naomi Watts thing. He also did uh, all the Austin Powers movies and, like, Drop Dead Fred. Really? Yeah. Um, I looked him up today and like, yeah, he just does. It's like mostly like Sam Raimi likes him a lot. And uh, J- Jay Roach, who's done other things other than the Austin Power movies, hires him a lot. But then, yeah, I was like, oh, and he did Cabin in the Woods, which is a cool looking movie, too. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, it looks great, yeah. too. Yeah. Then like I was looking at his credits. Oh, he did Son-in-Law and <laughs> oh House no Party, way. which I do like House Party. I don't care. But that's not like a. I, I, I have. I have. I have never actually watched it all the way through. I've watched most of House Party. Oh, you've, you're older than uh, 20 now, so it's not going <laughs> to... <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, a good working for a uh, cinematographer. Do you want to like 
do you want to do the thing? Like, let's say do the thing. Do you want to, you have to pick one of these movies or all of your elaborate web of lies you've built up over your whole life will come crashing down <laughs> with disastrous consequences for you. Oh, buddy. Uh, so I, you know, don't know as I'm talking right now, but I think I know as I'm talking right now. I feel kind of the same uh, way. I feel kind of the same So way. I Heart Huckabees is good and great, but it does suffer from that unfocusedness to it. And I do think there is a, like a, 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 a through line to follow yeah. storyline to follow, but that does, when you do follow break it down, it's like, Oh, that's not the strongest storyline, but it's, the strength is in it's screwballness. It's great. I think the nest though might be something special. And like, there is like a, a little bit of that new sticker shock from it too, that I'm, I'm picking the nest right now as my actually best choice. Uh, and that might be because it's just so new and, vibrant to me and i'm like still bringing it rattling around in my brain uh, to try and figure it out and i do think it's that good for me to say it's better than i heart huckabees uh which is a i don't know a pretty good litmus test i heart huckabees of like how great a movie is if you judge it against I heart huckabees. it's the my mendoza line is the i heart huckabees line for greatness in movies i'm gonna go with um... uh, the nest uh it did remind me of so many movies like there's a lot of like familiar movies like ordinary people uh movie shoot the moon if you don't know that it's a another English, uh, Diane Keaton. I told Chris this, uh, it reminded me of uh, You Only Move Twice, which people know as the Hank Scorpio episode of The Simpsons, where Homer moves the family against kind of their will, but they do it anyway, and Marge becomes, you know, despondent and doesn't respond and has no housework to do, and the kids kind of hate it. <laughs> it is kind of like that, the nest. Like, In it those is kind broad of like strokes, that. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, obviously, working for Hank Scorpio was a much better opportunity for Homer than it, this opportunity turned out to be for Jude Law. Very true, and Hank Scorpio is its own legendaryness of itself. Yeah, I and mean, the sad thing the about nest. the movie, we didn't get into the plot specifics of the nest, but the sad thing is, like, you get the sense it's just like if Jude Law would just do his work regular, everything would be fine, and he actually would be really rich. And if he hadn't like overspent on getting them this castle, like. If they have just all lived in a regular house, like they would still yeah. be rich, but it's because he's because he's trying so hard to get something more than what he has. Mm -hmm. He loses everything he's got, you know, and that's yeah, I like that very, about that movie. Like, it's tragic, like, you know. It, it like it, the movie invites you to like judge these characters, but also the movie like doesn't care whether you approve of these characters or not. Like you don't root for them. You just just like they're you understand them and are appalled by them or just. It's very, very good movie, yeah. and that's why I'm picking it as my ABC actually best choice. Okay, that's great. I'm just going to go ahead and real quickly say mine. Uh, it's real difficult because I do think they're both really good. I think The Nest is obviously, I think The Nest is a better movie in a lot of ways, but if you're going to come to me and say you've literally never seen either one of these, if you've literally never seen either one of these movies, you know, I loved The Nest a lot, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm going to be like rewatching it anytime soon. Whereas I heart, Fair. there was a time in my life where I watched I heart Huckabees like constantly. So um, I think I'm going to go with I heart Huckabees, which I know is kind of stupid. And the nest is a better movie, but like, it's not stupid. Uh, you know, I heart Huckabees is pretty great. I, I really like it. <laughs> Terrified that we're some, we're going to lose your audio somehow or something. So let's just like say that's the show. It's breaking like, up. Good night, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodbye say, to you. Say good night, Caleb. Good night, Gracie.
So you want to you want to talk about it? Let's do it. Give me a little intro for the nest. Oh, I thought I thought I was doing iHeart Huckabee. Oh, I usually do. And here is. Oh, and here is. Wait. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. I'm I'm a professional podcaster, Caleb. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs>